Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode 30. The tournament continues. So a little bit about timing of this tournament is it did not happen over a weekend or a night or a couple of nights. It actually happened over four weeks. Uh, we did have uh, plans to get done a lot faster, you know greatest plans sometimes don't always work out um and you know when you play board games together maybe some folks want some of their space or you have some introverts in the house that may jump in there and then also you know someone may have purchased a video game that is highly addictive and lots of lots of fun and adorably cute I think we all know I'm talking about Animal Crossing. So Animal Crossing made it in our house. But this podcast isn't about Animal Crossing, although it did kind of almost derail the tournament. It is about a tournament. So let's step back in with the next game. And the next game would be called Checkers. Or if you're in the UK, Drafts. So Drafts or Checkers is a group strategy game or two players which involve diagonal moves of uniform game pieces and mandatory captures by jumping over opponent's pieces. So basically you're you're jumping over pieces and we've all played checkers. We've played it in many, many ways. Um, drafts actually came from a word which I have a lot of trouble pronouncing, but it's A-L-Q-U-E-R-Q-U-E, which is a word that derives its name from the verb to draw or move. Now, there are several versions. So you have the English drafts, checkers, on an 8x8 board. Russian drafts, played on an 8x8 board. International drafts, played on a 10x10 board. There are so many variants played on 8x8 boards. But Canadians, Canadian checkers, and Singapore Malaysian checkers, also known as DUM, D-U-M, not D-U-M-B, are played on a 12x12 board which is crazy. Now, as we love to talk about statistics, we like to talk about programs that are built for this, um, English Drafts was actually solved, and it was solved to make a make it to a draw by a team of Canadian computer scientists, a team of Canadian computer scientists, including Jonathan Schaefer, and basically from a standard position, you can play it to a draw. Now, I've seen a lot of games go to a draw. None of our games went to a draw, but I've seen a lot of games get there. So you have a lot of different versions of the name drafts in the English language, obviously draft or checkers, but it's also been called dame, dames, damas, or similar terms to that, you know, with ladies for some reason. And I wasn't sure why I had to do a lot of reading to get to that. There's a lot of history about checkers. All right. So we've already talked about this. Two players were playing against each other. We move only on one color of the diagonals, um, basically use the dark squares. Now, I've had folks that use the red squares or lighter squares, whichever color you want to do. And then as you're playing back and forth, if you jump those folks, if your piece gets from your end of the board to the other than the board, you get what they call a king. Now, the king or queen can move diagonally still, but it can move forward. You know, Instead of just going one direction, it can come backwards as well. So following all of that, you know, we effectively have a game. So back to reality. Again, everybody's played the game. It's one of those early games for a lot of, you know, kids to play because it's easy to play where you move one direction on a line. You're trying to jump each other. And it's a fun, you know, you play with kids. I play, we play this with our kids all the time. Um, I do like to add variants into my drafts or checkers. And I'm not talking like comic book, 
cover variants. Those are super cool. But um, while everybody has played checkers, I didn't want just, you know, oh, youngest plays the second youngest. So we mixed it up a little bit. We had everybody uh, do rock, paper, scissors. The people who won got to play and the people who did not win rock, paper, scissors got to play. And then the winners of that game played. And we found out who the number one winner second per place and then the people who didn't win played and we found out who third and fourth so we did this and we did this a few times in the tournament because it allowed for people to take a break step away in case we were playing two or three games in a row um to really you know kind of enjoy playing um playing the game so ultimately a lot of a lot of fun uh to do to that way now I really like doing this with my kids because it take me takes me back to when we played games uh, as a kid, you know, when they were little. And it was also fun because every so often they get a chance where they almost beat me or they get a chance. Now, I love, I love checkers. I love strategy games. Um, I did well in this one. There are games I didn't do well. All right. Now, next game, sixth game was Apples to Apples. Now, I've already talked about Apples to Apples in Episode 7. It is a great game. It is a fun party game. And in fact, it is one of those games that let's say you're not with somebody or near somebody. And let's say, you know, maybe I'm out here in Seattle. You're in Denver or Chicago or Miami or New York. We both have a game, Apples to Apples. And let's say we can all play on FaceTime or do multiple FaceTimes together. And I think Apple lets you do multiples at a time. So... Doing that, you could take your cards and play apples to apples with other people in other spaces and effects. So you can even do it over the phone. Say, oh, I'm going to pick the card. And then everybody on there goes, oh, here are my answers. And you pick whoever had the best answers. and You score that way. So apples to apples is really good. Um, I also think apples to apples is hilarious and silly. And we had a lot of fun doing this. We ran 20 rounds of apples to apples, and then we decided we're going to run another 20 rounds and had a great time doing it. We laughed a lot. Our kids laughed a lot. It was a lot of fun. So tournament-wise, apples to apples. And I know I'm going just very light on this. We've already talked about apples to apples again. Um, and there'll be several games we talk about that we've already done to. Now, checkers, not at all. But Apples to Apples have played it. It's a great game to play. It's fun. It's silly. It's goofy. Um, great game. Now, the next game we played, we actually, I've also discussed uh, in a couple of other episodes as well, is Ticket to Ride. And, you know, I talked about Ticket to Ride in one of the earlier episodes. I think it was the fifth or seventh episode. But it is a great game because it incorporates, you know, building your trains. We, you know, we're pretty open with how we hold our, we actually don't hold our cards so people can see and we turn them over so it's easier for people to see what you might build. Um, again, I've talked about this game. It was a lot of fun. Another game we played two or three times um, just to see if there was a clear winner. There, there are a couple of folks that are pretty good at taking a ride in their house. Um it is fun from the perspective of you may try to extend yourself. And I found that I extend myself. I always lose when I don't extend myself. I do. So if there's a strategy for you as well, um, but it is, it is a great game to play um, in our tournament. Like I said, we played it two, three times. We had a really good time. I've actually considered buying the expansion after playing that because there's only so many times that I can try to go through Omaha to get to Houston and somebody blocks me. Oh, Yes, you can, you can see I was a little sad about that. All right, but Ticket to Ride was our, our game. Now, 
the next game I had never, ever played. Now, when you find out what game it is, please don't hold that against me. I've just played a lot of other games. The next game is called Phase 10. And I've actually asked people, like, hey, have you ever played Phase 10? And they're all like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, I had never played Phase 10. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Phase 10 since I learned some stuff about it. But it is a card game created in the 80s by Kenneth Johnson, sold by Mattel. Mattel seems to sell a lot of games until I got bought by Hasbro. Um, And, you know, which basically purchased the rights uh, from a company called Fundex. But it is a variant on one of my favorite games of all time, Rummy, or Liverpool Rummy, or as we also call it, uh, it's in the contract Rummy space. And so, you know, it allows you to do what they call a run, which would be like the six, seven, eight, nine of a certain color or diamonds or clubs or something like that. And then you can also do multiples like, you know, four, seven, things like that. So it can... um, What's crazy about this is I had never heard of this. And by 2016, there had been 62 million units of phase 10 sold. How did I not know about that? Like, I'm just still kind of wrapping my head around this because it is a fun, fun game, especially for people who love to play rummy. I learned to play cards playing rummy. I didn't learn playing war or blackjack. I learned to play rummy for my grandmother and she was ruthless. She was fantastic. She played really well. She was, she, I think she practiced on me to go play bridge. And my father is an amazing rummy player. He's just, I don't like playing him because I never win. It's not fun. Um, but it, you know, being built on that. Now the objective of phase 10 is to be the first person to complete all 10 phases. Okay. Totally understand. You're going, Hmm. Interesting. What are the phases? So I'm going to give you the phases. Phase one, two sets of three. Phase two, one set of three, one run of four. Phase three, one set of four, one run of four. Phase four, run of seven. Phase five, run of eight. Phase six, run of nine. Literally the hardest phase out there in my opinion. Uh, Phase seven, two sets of four. Phase eight, seven cards of one color. The easiest one should be like the first one. Phase nine, one set of five plus one set of two. Phase 10, one set of five, one set of three. Now, what's great about this is not everybody is on the same phase. Now, the very first hand, everybody's on the same phase. But let's say somebody goes out. So someone plays all their cards. And when I say they go out, you get 10 cards. You put down your two sets of three for the first phase. And then let's say you're able to put more down on that. You you just have to have sets of three. You could have a set of six. Perfectly fine. When you have no more cards in your hand, you're out. So let's say somebody does that, but no one else does. Then that person works on the next phase, and everybody else is still on phase one. So you have people on varying parts, varying phases of the game. Really, really a lot of fun. Um, So you're going back and forth. Now, what's also great about this, and how many games do you know this, that actually have a tiebreaker? So... If you have people and they're basically looking at their hands and you can score, and I'm not going to go deep into the scoring because you can read about that. It's easy. And the tiebreaker, the tiebreaker round is played where the tying players attempt to complete phase 10 or multiple variants. And there's a ton of variants. The last phase before again. So with this, each player, oh, and Piper, 
the game dog is now leaving the office. I think she got too warm in here. Maybe I'm talking too much. Anywho, so after you do this, and like I said, you go to these each one of these hands. Um, what's kind of cool about this is that there are 108 cards in a deck. So if you play cards, that is two decks of cards. Interesting. So going through the two decks of cards, there are four colors. The values are 1 to 12. Starting to sound a little familiar. Maybe not getting a king or queen. Um, and there are wild cards that are attached to this. Now, what also is really, really cool about Phase 10 is that there are variation upon variation. And I read about 10 of them. Um, if you need a new game to be addicted to, to have all of those different kind of variations that are played into each other, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say... You know, some people are like, oh, I should go learn Bridge. Go play Phase 10. Go learn Phase 10. Bridge is a wonderful game. You serve little sandwiches. We have coffee. There are Bridge tournaments. I know people who play Bridge. Bill Gates plays Bridge. He's a really good Bridge player. Um, but I know people who play Bridge, and they are just, they've, I've been told stories that it's just angry people playing Bridge. Um, phase 10, not so angry. You're, you're really competing against other people, but you're also competing against that deck which is a lot of fun. And, you know, like I said, if I had to pick through phase 10 or bridge, kind of the next step in the rummy, you know, the seven card rummy, I'm going to go phase 10. And I really wish that I had been, I had an opportunity to play phase 10 against my grandmother. I think she would have been really good at it. My kids are good at it. My kids love it. It is something that teaches them how to do the runs, how to you know, how to do a run of cards, not how to have the runs. That's gross. Ah, sorry, kid humor. Um, but also, you know, how to do some strategy because what I've noticed is like, oh, everybody's holding red cards and everybody's putting green cards out. I will switch and rotate all the cards out of my hands and move from one color to the next. Super duper fun. Great tournament game, uh, Phase 10. We only played one time because, again, it's 10 hands, 10 faces. And then after you're done, because let's say the first person who gets to Phase 10, they win. Then second, third, and fourth place need to go. I think overall we played because we were all behind. Like, I think my wife kind of got done at first, but they were like four behind her. So again, now we're playing four more hands. So she's played 10. We we're going to play four or five, six more hands by the time we were done. Um, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Phase 10, new game for me. I was blown away. Now I followed up phase 10 with probably my least favorite board game, mine, but my family's favorite board game, which is Yahtzee. And so I'm going to start and give you a little history of Yahtzee. You've all heard of Yahtzee. If you haven't heard of Yahtzee, boy, are you in for a treat because it's a fun game. Uh, it is not a fun game on the like the 20th Yahtzee game that I play with my in-laws because they love the game. They play it over and over. I used to have friends that played spades, spades or spoons or cribbage, all those sorts of games over and over again. I like to switch it up. But Yahtzee is a dice game that was created by Milton Bradley which is now Hasbro, uh, that was first marketed as Y-A-T-Z-I-E. Now, Yahtzee is actually spelled Y-A-H-T-Z-E-E -E, um, by Yahtzee, Y-A-T-Z-I-E, by the National Association Service of Toledo, Ohio in the early 40s. So Yahtzee, early 40s. 
closing in on an 80, uh, 80th birthday here. Really exciting. The objective of the game is to score points. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. And the inventor of Yahtzee, marketed under the name Yahtzee, was so early in the 40s. It was great. And it was marketed by a guy named Edwin S. Lowe in 1956. And it was developed of an early dice game such as Poker Dice, Yacht, or Generala, which are all similar to Yahtzee, Y-A-T-Z-Y, which is a very popular game in Scandinavia. Now, I live in the Pacific Northwest. There are a lot of Scandinavian people here. So when our, you know, our quarantine or social distancing is all done, I'm going to find me a Scandinavian person. I'm going to say, hey, you ever play Yahtzee spelled with a Z-Y? I hope they say yes. Otherwise, poor Wikipedia. Remember, donate to Wikipedia. All right. So again, the option, uh, objective of the game is to score points by rolling five dice, certain combinations. If you haven't seen Yahtzee, What's awesome about Yahtzee, I think, is that you can print out Yahtzee sheets. You don't. You only have to have five dice. You don't even have to buy the whole game. You can print out the sheets. They have dry erase uh, boards, which I made the mistake of buying those. So now we play even more Yahtzee in our house. Um, and, you know, the, the game of Yahtzee actually comes from, again, like I said, a Puerto Rican game called Generala. Now, here's a crazy thing. I'm going back for history and numbers. There have been 50 million Yahtzee games created. That's 250 million dice have been created. So thinking of that, a little bit crazy. Um, but again, Yahtzee created out of a, a game called Generala. It's also created a little bit from a German game called Niffle. And again, English games, Poke, Poker Dice, Cheerio, another game called Yap, similarly Yahtzee. Um, is out there. Now, again, Yahtzee has been around. It includes, like I said before, an upper section, kind of a three of a kind. You have straights, little, small straight, big straight. You have the Yahtzee, which is all five dice being the same thing. Now, the funny thing is, why is Yahtzee popular? And I know people are like, oh, well, yeah, it's, everybody loves Yahtzee. It's popular because it's easy, it's fun, it's a dice game. It's kind of like a party game. We can all enjoy it. Very, very easy, fun game to play. Uh, I will personally tell you it is not. Again, like I said, it's not my favorite game, but it is my family's favorite game. Uh, you know, it is it is one of those games that you know I, I've watched my wife play for hours with her dad or with our kids, and I can't complain one tiny bit about that. They're playing a game. They're having fun. Uh, there's always conversation around it. It reminds me a lot, like I said, of cards when I played with my family. Uh, a tournament note, like I said, we played the played Yahtzee, rock, paper, scissors, top two, bottom two, worked it through. Uh, I will just say, if, if there's ever a Yahtzee pro league that you can enter your wife into, I will be doing that. And I'll just be like the, the husband who holds the, her magic dice or whatever we want to call them because she kicked my butt all over the place. And then she kicked her kicking's butt. And, you know, I cried a little. The kids were good. They held me. I felt good about it. But it was a really, really fun time. I, I think Yahtzee was a guarantee going out. Now, from that, we then played another classic game, Operation. If you haven't played Operation, you probably have seen it. Uh, I think it's one of the creepiest games out there and the subject of many, many hilarious jokes about being shocked when you were a child because we would put high doses of electricity or batteries, or I think there's even a plug, plug into the wall version of 
operation, which is just like, here, I'm going to shock you with an electric current right now. But there's, you know, a joke where like kids get stuck to the game. Um, that's horrible. I know that out. And then the picture on the game, the the picture of the guy, and I think his name's Cavity Sam or something. I wrote it down here. I'll tell you in a second. Um, but it, you know, it was, it's a, it's a creepy game in my opinion. And the, the crux of operation history is it is a battery operated game. And this is the history of that physical skill that tests players, hand-eye coordination and fine motor skills. The game's prototype was invented in 1964 at the university of Illinois industri- and an industrial design student named John Spinello uh, created it. And he sold the rights over to a guy named Marvin glass for $500 and the promise of a job after graduation, which he didn't get. what That's a kind of horrible thing. So, um, you know, Marvin Glass, shame on you. Um, anywho, I'm sure that's happened more than once. Now, initially, this game was produced by Milton Bradley. And now it's, again, bought by Hasbro. But they think the franchise for this game is $40 million. And they've created all sorts of variants of it. Um, what's kind of crazy is you pick a card. And it tells you which piece to take out of the person. And they're little plastic pieces. And they've got little metal edges. And you have metal. And when metal on metal, it creates circuit. Ah, the nose lights up. Um, really, the crux of it is you have these tweezers. And so uh, it is a fun game. I, I think it creates a illusion that you can be a doctor, too, if you can pull a tiny piece of plastic out of a metal man's body and hold it up for your entire family for some fake money. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's, that's the snarky version of it, but it is a fun game. Now, what I actually had was the, you know, the original guy's name was cavity Sam and uh, gross, but I got the minions version of this game. And I actually use this as a prop for a uh, kind of a, a fun experiment. We did once at work, we kind of did this, Hey, come to the, we're going to teach you about all the technology we do carnival. And I had a game that taught you about security and I had renamed all the little pieces of the, the minion and be like, Oh, this is where your password is and things like that. Um, that game sat on my desk for about four years. So let's just say if it was a cavity Sam game that creeps me out, the little yellow minion guy doesn't creep me out at all at all. And I'm kind of a professional at this game so much that I would sit there and do it while I was on calls to see if I could like just listen, but also focus on, uh, you know, helping someone. So I played this game a lot. So it was almost an unfair advantage. But again, uh, Minions nose lights up. Everybody jumps around. It's a lot of fun. It's, you know, operation. Everybody's played it. There, like I said, there are tons of variations out there. Um, but like the minion one was fun because it didn't remind me of the creepy cavity Sam guy, which I've now said three times. I guess it really creeped me out that a lot. All right. So from there, we went to another game that we've talked about, the Trivial Pursuit Family Edition. Now, everybody knows Trivial Pursuit. You're asking questions back and forth. The family edition is great because you have a parent box and you have a kid box. Um, this is actually one of my favorite games of the past couple of years. It's something that my kids and I can play because they can ask me questions. They can learn really long words like Occidental. And I can ask them why the heck they do not know who Katy Perry is or didn't know what the video name was for Katy Perry as California Girls. That actually is a question that one of my children has missed, and she really likes Katy Perry. So, Katy Perry, if you are listening, I'm a bigger Katy Perry fan than my 11-year-old. Just your music. 
Otherwise, well, you, you know, Orlando Bloom. Oh, yeah, man. I guess I made a bigger Katy Perry fan, really, in real life. Okay, cool. Anywho, so we love playing Trio Pursuit. And it's really fun that we can, you know, we, we've taken this in the in our car. We've taken it on trips. It's great to play in an airplane because we'll just, if you get a card, you get the right answer. You keep it. If you get the wrong answer, we put it back. And we count the cards. You know, it, it's helped for us to uh, decide where we're going to eat, things like that. And it was a lot of fun because we were playing all of our games at the kitchen table. And we decided to move into the living room, kind of, you know, back to like how board games were created. Everybody was in the living room all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So went into that mode and started playing uh, more game, our game back in the living room again. So good times, hooray, yay, all around to, uh, to playing that. Um, we did play this game a few times because it was kind of one of those we could just turn on some eighties music and play. I think we played it five times. Like I said, while we're listening to some eighties rock, we learn something every time we play this game, lots and lots of fun, really enjoyed it. Um, again, if you have a family member who has, you know, probably I'd say over seven, six, seven age, it's always fun because there are things, you know, questions, there's true, false, there's multiple choice for kids really, really fits. And it's a really good option um, for kids to play. It's also, like I said, it has the adult questions, which I will agree and hope or hopefully agree with everyone is that I don't get every question right. And I still get to learn new stuff. Lots and lots of fun. Okay. The last game in this podcast, because we have a few more to go. We actually have a lot of go, lot to go. Uh, game is Age of War. Now, I've talked about Age of War before, and I am going to give a huge shout out to the folks over at Uncle's Games. Um, I am actually going to be spending this weekend looking for some new games. Uh, we have a birthday coming up, so we need to get a couple new games out. And I'm going to definitely be purchasing them from Uncle's, having them ship over, or they can walk them out to the car. However, we're going to do all that stuff right now. Um but definitely, definitely, definitely going to be going uh, to get some stuff over at uh, Uncle's Games. Now, they were the ones who introduced me to Age of War. So Age of War is, and I'm just going to pretty much read a lot of the review here, is a fast-paced dice game for two to six players designed by, oh, I hate when I have to say people's names, Reiner Nietzsche, 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 and it is set among morning states of feudal Japan. So in the game, you're trying to take rolls or you're rolling these dice and each one has a symbol. And you're trying to make sure your symbols, each roll, match to part of the card. So you can say, like, you know, one was a, uh, looks like a samurai helmet. The other one's a horseman. Another one's a, a bow and arrow. Another one's a samurai sword. So you're just trying to line how many of those you need up for each turn. Really fun game. Really enjoyable game. We had a great time playing this game. In fact, this is one of those games. Again, we split it. Rock, paper, scissors, two versus two, end up with the top two. Um, you can do that because this game can take five to 15 minutes, really depending on how good right dice rolling arrow. We've been to the point sometimes where you have one card. And you can actually end the game early because you can realize, hey, there's no way you're going to get the amount of points to win. So you can stop and say, oh, we've played five minutes. Let's play another one. This was actually the only game we played where we stopped playing games for the night and people still wanted to come back and play this game. Now, they're all great games, but this is a game where somebody was like, oh, I can play two more games. We have like 10 more minutes before bed. And we played a couple more games and it was a lot of fun. 
So again, this was a super game. Now, we played this game in sets, like I said before. We all really enjoy this game. It's kind of fun because you 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 kind of you know you're competing for those points. And it was completely different. This is a game of cards and dice. This is something where we're not trying to roll and you know it's gonna we're definitely gonna roll like whatever Yahtzee is 15, 20 times to get that. Um, so it was a lot of fun like I said, and, and really kind of helped us get through the middle part of this. I mean, some of the games that were in the middle, really fun games. I think if we put the last game, and I'm not telling anybody the last game, but if we put that in the beginning, you know, like in the middle, it might have stalled us and we might not have gotten through 20 games. All right. So that is podcast number two in this or episode 30. The tournament continues. And we will start recording and I'll get ready to send that out, send the next one out in just a moment. And I look forward to sending it.